podcast? Tell me something podcast. Tell me something podcast. Tell me something podcast. Two, three. It's the Tell Me Something Podcast. Okay. So, which one are we doing? Welcome everybody to the Tell Me Something Podcast. Welcome everybody to the Tell Me Something Podcast. I'm your host. Almost did it again. Cruz, Robbie, Villanueva, along with my beautiful co-host here, my wife, Holly Villanueva. Hi. What's up, babes? Well, I'm sitting here with this little kitty we saved. Yeah. Two weeks in a row that we are doing the podcast from the comfort of our bed yes. right before bedtime. Um, and yes, you heard that right. We have a new kitty. We just rescued a kitty, a cat. Yesterday. She's like six weeks old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we rescued her uh, from a parking lot. Yeah, from the church parking lot. She was hiding in the car, and then she came out, and the kids saw her, and the kids were trying to go grab her, and the kitty kept on running away. And, of course, I go into mom panic mode, like, don't touch her. She could have <laughs> diseases. And then Which is there true. goes dad. Like, let's get her. <laughs> yeah. I felt bad like, for the kitty and <laughs> Phil, our other cat. Yes, his name is Phil. Uh, he needs a friend because the did. fucker's getting fat, so he just sleeps all day. He did day. not like her. Well, not yet. He's like, <laughs> well, be, he didn't like the dogs either, but after a while. That's, that's true. They're friends now. Well, I don't know if he likes them still. He tolerates, he tolerates them. <laughs> he runs the house and they go outside. That's <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Those are his rules. Yeah, but we rescued his kitty, took it to the vet, uh, paid a, a pretty good pricey bill. Uh, it was the weekend. Yeah. So we paid the the after hours fees and she had to be on some antibiotics for some issues she's having. She's malnourished. She's tiny. Maybe weighs a total if if she's lucky, maybe two pounds. Yeah, she's um, itty bitty. And she fits in the palm of my hand, so she is she's a little guy. Yeah. She took her first bath today after two days of having her. Yeah, she did, was not a fan. She bolted. <laughs> yeah. We had to wait two days to to bathe her because she had flea medication that has to soak in, I guess. I don't know what it does, yeah. but they told us we couldn't bathe her for two days. But she's squared away now. And now the next step is vaccine within the next vaccines within the next couple of days. Yeah, and then getting her fixed up. Yeah. She's cute though. Yeah, so a new member of the family. And we <laughs> named her Hope because yeah, we were volunteering at the church for Convoy for Hope. If you guys haven't heard about them, look them up. They're an awesome organization that helps a lot of families across America and in other countries. But um, essentially, they were helping feed a lot of the families that are hurting right now due to the pandemic locally here in San Angelo. Um, and we ended up giving away four, well, two weeks worth of groceries to 400 families through Convoy for Hope. And since we found this little gal in the parking lot after we were volunteering for that, um, she got the name Hope. Yeah. She's just kicking. Yeah. Fitting in with the fam. It works out. Yep. Yep. Shout out to uh, Pastor Landon and the rest of the the pastor crew. Uh, all the pastors there leading the way. Um, that thing was pretty awesome, but it was hectic. Yeah. So if you guys are listening from the church, I'm going to give my side of the story for that real quick. But... 
Um, I talked to Liz about this. Shout out, Liz. I know you listen to these podcasts. Your kids <laughs> were telling me about it, and we talked about it briefly. But, man, I was uh, – I had to step way outside of my comfort zone there. So if if you guys know me on a personal level outside the podcast, some of you just know me strictly based on the podcast. But if you know me on a personal level outside of this podcast, um, I am very um, – gold type personality very organized i need structure and stability and control (laughs) i don't need control i just need the environment controlled i don't need to have control but i need someone to have control um and it was mass chaos so we walked in and there was pallets of food that convoy for hope had delivered And essentially, we got this list of two and a half pages of food. And it was like, go here and get two of these. Go here and get one of these. Go here and get six boxes of this, blah, blah, blah. And the pallets were scattered everywhere. There was no rhyme or reason to where they were at. Um, And everybody just kind of like grabbed a list and all (laughs) willy-nilly went to wherever they were at in the list to pick up stuff. And... Um, and I felt my anxiety building to the point where my hands were shaking and I was having a hard time, um, like carrying things, uh, like carrying the bags of groceries. Um, I was getting hot. Like I just, I felt myself getting extremely overwhelmed. I was out of my comfort zone. I just wasn't, um, yeah, there was a lot going on. I was really uncomfortable. Everybody was running back and forth and, uh, you would bump into people and nobody was really being rude yeah. and nobody was, it was just like, yeah. it was a, it was, it's not a small space, but with everything in there and everybody in there, it became small and tight and everybody was trying to get their, their groceries from these pallets or whatever to make their bags. And, uh, it was just, it was a free for all. There, there came a point where, because I was with Elena and Dallas and you took Braylon and Michael. I'm still upset about that, <laughs> yeah. but we'll talk about that on a different podcast. They chose their teams. Um, but there came a point where I just stood in one spot and I was like, go get this, go get that. So yeah. I tasked them to go get things like as runners because I could not, um, like I knew it was a good cause. I knew this was something that I did not have to have control over. I knew what the reason I was doing it. Um, but it afterwards, after we left there, um, I was physically, mentally, emotionally, I was drained. Like it took every part of my being um, to be in there and go through that. And the reason why, okay, so I'm going to go through, this is the reason why. Because it would have been so easy to just give people a list when they walk through the door and just have them flow in a line. Yeah. So you start at this <laughs> at this point and you just walk in a line past each pallet. And as you pass the pallet, you get the number of what you need. And then you stay in that line until you get to the exit. And when you get to the exit, you would have passed all the pallets. Yeah. So more of a, um, like a, an assembly yeah, line. Yeah. Just like an assembly deal. line. Um, but and I you mean, know who does that really well is Habitat for Humanity. Have you ever packed boxes for them? No. Or like packed. So if you ever I built houses for them, if you ever volunteer for Habitat for Humanity or like for food banks, 
um, they'll have boxes and they line you up on a table and they'll give you like, okay, you have macaroni, you have potatoes, you have this, and they have a box and it slides down a table. And as the box is sliding, you put the items in the box and the box continues to slide. And then at the yeah. end it's complete and somebody stacks it. <laughs> and I'm like, that is what this should have looked like. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I'm it sure somewhere, I'm sure somewhere along the way somebody thought about it, but you know, chaos happens and uh, it still turned out really well. So, so yeah, it was like enough groceries for 400 families for two weeks, which is a lot. So um, I thought about it, you know, and as I was standing there in the midst of my anxiety attack, trying to like come to terms with what was happening, you know, I, I saw people talking to each other. I saw people laughing and yeah, it was a good uh, time. like going around and the communication and just like people telling each other tips and tricks like, oh, if you do it like this, it makes it easier and um and that wouldn't have happened if it if it went my way you know it would have just been like a pretty much like a robotic sequence to yeah. get the process done and um and I'm very processed not people focused and I have to like step outside of that sometimes and so in the midst of my anxiety attack I noticed the people aspect of it and it's like everyone is just like having a really good time while doing this um and at the end of the day Either way, it was getting done. So yeah, um, yeah. I uh, I dropped the bags really quick. I just let Michael and Braylon go. Here, you go, try and collect all these groceries and and make the bags and stuff. I just went around, uh, and I started organizing, like unpacking the stuff to get it out of the packages so or unbox it. it. Yeah, and just start organizing so people could just walk by and grab something, whatever they need. Instead of digging through boxes and stuff, and then I started going breaking down boxes, taking out. I was doing everything else other like the than support. yes, because <laughs> so that was me, stuff that like I could control a lot more easier. Uh, because I was thinking the same thing. I was like, oh my, this is too much for me. I ca I can't go all the way around trying to manage Michael and Braylon, and then trying to look for the food that we that we need to get. It, they did really well, though. I was really proud of them, the way they, like, came up with a, a plan for themselves and they got the groceries. Yeah. But um, there were people who had, like, 10 – okay, so I equated it to um, – have you ever been to a grocery store and you see your bagger bagging your groceries and you're like, is it your first day on the job? Like, were you never taught how to put groceries in bags? That's how I felt some people were there. Like, they were just putting the randomest things and bags together. Yeah. And it was just, like, you were trying to get the process done quickly. Um, but by the second time, so the first time we used the bags that they gave us, by the second time I got a box and I put everything in and it was almost like Tetris. So all the groceries for two weeks fit in one box with the exception of one bag that had the drinks in it. So I was carrying the box with all the groceries and they had the drinks and I carried it over there and I'm like, okay, this is the whole set. And they're like, there's no way you fit a whole set in one box. And they start looking, they're like, oh my goodness this is a whole set in this one box. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I just told you that. And so they're like, like, can you show us how you put it? And I'm like, just look like, it's just, it, they all fit. You just, just have to have this kind of box. It's just organization. And so after that, like I just had that box, I had my setup where everything went, the girls ran and got stuff. And I was like, choo, 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 choo. we carried the box over so we could put a box together in about 10, 15 minutes. And we knocked out quite a few boxes. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, the kids total put together like five and we put together or whatever they're called. So Braylon and Michael put together five and we put together six. So total as a family, we put together 11 boxes and that's a lot. Yeah. That was a lot. We were moving. Yeah. 
It was a good time. It was. So that took up a portion of our weekend. And then after that, that's where we found the kitty. Yeah, she's just chilling in here, being crazy. Yeah, she's getting used to us. She's cute. I think I posted p- pictures on Facebook. Yeah. Um, But anyway, the real reason we, <laughs> or, or not the real reason, but the, the actual subject we're going to talk about today uh, is politics. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah, absolutely it's, not. <laughs> um, so we're in the military. So naturally, we've moved around from place to place. So we were thinking we'd share our thoughts on the places that we've been and the places that we want to go. So like the different assignments that we've been and kind of the best and worst features as far as for us has been in those assignments. Um, So we both started out basic training in San Antonio. No real experience there. Um, My first assignment well, no. Let's no, go. We'll after go basic that. training. So basic training. We what spent your, six weeks. What was your best and worst experience as a basic training? Best and worst experience. My best experience was, um, I don't know, because I had a lot of good experiences there. Uh, I did the, too. The most memorable one probably was uh, when my family got to see everything that was happening or okay. like a culmination of everything. So like graduation week. Um, so like when we did the airman's run, all the families are standing on the side cheering. I give a shit about that. I, I thought that was badass. And then like they they invite everybody back to the dorm so they could see how you set up your area and what your and then. I mean, I guess I was like proud of that, but like my best experience was uh, when they awarded us honor flight. Yeah, th- it was I mean, like that was, that was I worked so hard. For six and a half weeks. And I mean, you're talking I was 17 years old, turning 18. I had no life experience outside of like living with my parents and being in high school. And the first real time I had control of my own life. Yeah. I was like, like we killed it. We knocked it out of the park. We did the best we could. We like really did well. So like getting the honor flight streamer, which for those of you who don't know that, I don't even know if it exists anymore, but when it did exist, it meant like you were the best group of people going through basic training in that group of you that we're going through yeah we call call each group flights so you were the best flight uh out of that graduating class yeah um so yeah i mean that yeah that was one of mine as well uh honor flight then there's when you get the airman's coin where your instructor hands you the airman's coin they're like hey welcome to the air force you're an airman now i remember it so that was a funny story i remember as soon as we got back to the dorms he called us trainee, and I was like, that's Airman Hughes. Oh. And he was like, don't even start. You're Go polish sh- the chrome. You're a shitbag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so th- a bunch of those. I remember another one was uh, after we got, uh, what was it, Base Liberty um, and we got to go out with our families and celebrate uh, right after graduation, I checked my bank account. And I had like $1,500 in there. I was like, I'm fucking balling. <laughs> I was like, I got dinner. I took my little brother. I, I got you, man. Pick out some shoes. Let, let, let me buy some shoes for you. I was just paying for everything left and right. And then the $1,500 disappeared last quickly. Long you think it <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, and that was, uh, that was three paychecks. Yeah. So as an airman, I was only getting paid, I think during basic training, it was a little under five hundred dollars, and then when I graduated, uh, tech school, 
I remember my check being the first one that I got because we were still getting paper checks uh, or the paper LESs, $512. Yeah, I remember thinking I was going to get paid so much more money than I got paid when I joined the Air Force. Yeah, me too. Um, It was was a rude awakening. It was. uh, It was, yeah, it was a a struggle bus. But, I mean, um, you... (laughs) I think back now as someone who's been in the Air Force for a while and I mean we're like di- like digressing from our best of worst but Oh yeah. I think back now for as someone who's been in for 13 years, you know, and with everything the Air Force is giving you. So they're giving you a place to live, they're giving you food, they're giving you um a job that is within walking distance or transportation and they're paying to you. your job and they're giving you money to spend um like as a paycheck yeah. on okay so like like the place that that you're living that consists of like a dorm room a bed a restroom a kitchen um all all the necessities that you need you're not paying for that yeah. your uniforms like you're paying for that in basic training so the clothes that you have to wear like you have that the food that you're eating at the dining facility like you're not paying for that um so the, the paychecks that are only like $500, that seems like nothing. But honestly, like we had no bills. <laughs> yeah. Unless you were just like. So at a minimum, the Air Force yeah. gives you everything that you need to live. Yes. On top of a paycheck. So medical, dental, a place to live. Um, yeah, a place to live. Uh, and that's close to work or they th- there's even transportation at most spaces so yeah you have a, the bare minimum uh and it only goes up from there so my worst experience in basic training was uh it has to be a single event a single event so i really didn't have any terrible experiences i'll say the worst one was probably day one well no not day one the day after day one waking up in a basic training because I was completely lost and I didn't know where I was or what was going on. And it took a few minutes to orient myself and, and, and remember like, oh, yeah, I joined the Air Force. I'm in basic training. This is life now. Yeah. Uh, so it was just it was just uh, like a shock. Um, not the night that I arrived, the morning after and waking up uh, to my MTI just yelling at me the fuck out of bed what are you doing and then just going from there uh i just don't remember any like like oh my goodness i'll never forget this like detrimental worst times in basic training um I would say maybe when um Oh, I lied. So there was a time I was in like second week of basic training. So basic training goes zero week, week one, week two, week three, week four, week five, week six, and then week six and a couple days <laughs> um and then you graduate. Well, um, in like second week, now it's longer than that. But when I went through, that's how it went. So in second week, we had 
chow at nighttime, so like dinner. Um, and in basic training, you only have minutes to eat. So you're talking like two or three minutes to eat, and they feed you like the most inopportune foods that you don't have time to eat. So one night they fed us steak <laughs> because that's just what the chow hall was feeding us that night. Um, and when you're in basic training and you're eating, you have to be eyes ahead, only at your tray. You We had to drink two entire glasses of water turned upside down before we could touch oh, our food. Yeah, I hated that. And then we could like eat our food or whatever. So I had never drank water in my whole life ever until basic training. And so drinking water was miserable for me. Um, and then eating steak, I remember just like trying to chew, 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 chew. And the guy at the table across me starts choking. And I'm talking like foaming at the mouth, choking. His face was turning blue. The TI's giving him the Heimlich maneuver. <laughs> and I never, I just like my body was in shock, but I just continued to like shovel food into my face. And when I got outside, because when you, when you leave, you have to do this whole, it's like this whole process. You get up, you take, you stack everybody's trays on your table, you go, you put them up and then you go outside and you stand on these dots and you have to wait for like enough people to leave. I remember standing on the dots and I threw up all over the patio, <laughs> like everywhere. And then you have to clean the patio. Yeah. And so then I had to go out there and scrub the patio for the whole night. I had one, one trainee that happened to him. He was just eating fast and then drinking the water and you have to finish all your liquids before you get up. And usually you'll have two water and then one Gatorade or milk or whatever it is, if you're lucky. It, we had guy, to have three waters until like week four or something. Yeah, same here. And this guy, he downed his last liquid and you just see his eyes widen like, oh shit. And he gets up and he sprints down that hallway that leads outside. And right when he went to push the door open, Everything just came out. Out of his nose and everything? <laughs> yes, just all on the door, on the floor. <laughs> and then he turns around because I'm walking over there to see what's going on because I saw him t take off running. And then he turns around. He's looking at me. He's just, sir, training so-and-so reports his order. Uh, I'll clean it up. I was like, yeah, you're going to clean it up? Are you good? He's like, yes, sir. All right. Go get the stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, and I mean – I think so I was eating and then so the guy like they gave him the Heimlich he coughed up the steak or whatever and he was good but I think once I got outside and I realized like this guy was fucking dying in front of us yeah. and we were so scared that nobody even moved to help him we just stayed seated trying to eat steak in two minutes and then followed the processes to just get out of this building and once I stood outside it all hit me like this really just happened in front of me and I just, <laughs> <laughs> that's gross. Ugh. Yeah. And we have one girl who, uh, she would always take her cup of water and she would flip it upside down and flood her tree. Ooh, we had, we had people do that. That shit. I would be like, I, I would leave her tray on the table <laughs> and I'd be like, I'll take the heat for it, but I'm not dropping that and breaking glass everywhere and doing all the things. <laughs> Don't touch it. Don't but yeah, touch it. So that was best and worst of basic. Yeah. That wasn't too bad. Yeah. Yeah. And then from basic, we, everybody goes on to their follow on assignment, which is, uh, we call it technical training. So you go to your tech school for, to learn whatever job you're going to do. Uh, 
we both happen to have the same job, so we both and these this is at different times, but we both went to Goodfellow immediately after. We had different jobs though initially. Training. Well, I mean, it falls under the same oh, yeah. overarching. Uh, so we both went to Goodfellow. I went in 2005, and I was there for a wonderful six weeks. And then Holly went in 2007, and you were there for six months, right? Closer to eight. Yeah. So Goodfellow is in San Angelo, Texas, which is where we're at now. So everything comes full circle. So 21-year-old me went to San Angelo, Texas for my tech school and since I was only there for six weeks I don't remember much about San Angelo so best and worst the best part was um, being out of basic training and we got some freedom Um, like usually when you get to your tech school there's a progression on how much freedom you get so at first you're confined to the base it sounds bad but it's in the end it's supposed to help uh uh, airmen like come back to the real world little by little so you get there and you're supposed to stay on base you're supposed to be in your room uh, before <clears throat> 8 p.m or 9 p.m or whatever it is yeah. and then it's lights out and you're supposed to go to bed as you're there longer and longer in tech school then you start getting more freedom as well okay you can leave base and now you can uh leave for the weekend and you don't you don't have a curfew just make sure that you're you're back by Sunday night and you're ready for a class Monday morning. <clears throat> well, since I was on there six weeks, our MTLs, the people in charge of us, they didn't really give a crap about us. So week one, we were leaving base. We were going out on the weekend partying. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so the best part about uh my first time in San, San Angelo was just having the freedom to go out and pretty much just be a normal person. Um, and I, I wasn't one to like, hey, go check out the sites and and this and that. Uh, I just, I got with my friends. We went out. We drank beer. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't too memorable. Uh, the worst part about San Angelo is that. Uh, it wasn't really that bad just because I was only here for six weeks. The worst part I'll say was I had nothing. Um, and what I mean by nothing is when I got, so when I left for basic training, all I took with me was the clothes I had on me, uh, a change and a change of clothes in my backpack, my wallet, and that's it. And the documentation that I needed for basic training, that's it. Uh, and then when I went to Goodfellow, that's all I had was my uniforms and stuff now, and then a CD player and some CDs. So when I got to my dorm, you know, everybody has it decked out. The ones that have been there for a while, they have a TV and, and a PlayStation or Xbox or whatever it is. They have a computer. They have a stereo. They have all this cool shit in the room. And me, it was just my uniforms and my bunk and my CD player. And knowing that I was going to be there for six weeks, I didn't go out and I didn't get a TV. I didn't buy anything. Didn't have that much money anyway. Yeah. All right. So I wasn't just going to get all that stuff at once. Uh, by the time I was able to have enough to like accumulate that stuff, it, I would be leaving. Yeah. So that was the shitty part that when I easily got bored in my room, so I had to go find shit to do. And sometimes I just found myself walking around base just aimlessly. <laughs> oh. So that was 
that was probably the worst part. Yeah, so I don't know, like, well, I do know. So when I went through basic training in 2007, so I graduated high school in May of 2007, and I went to basic training in August of 2007. So um, it was fast. Like, I went, like, straight away. I turned 18 in basic training. So when I got to Goodfellow, um, I had barely turned 18. Um, I was still a baby. Well, um same thing like I didn't really have anything because I had only ever known high school but at that same time I knew where I was going with that story at that same time it was a big air force push to stand up the RPAs or like the um UAVs UAVs drones un, they're not drones whatever unmanned you want to call this week um and so when I graduated basic training between my brother flight so, like, the flight that was going with us that were boys and us that were girls, there was, like, 40 of us that all went to Goodfellow. Yeah. So, we, like, en masse Goodfellow. Um, and so, we kind of all knew each other because we had been in basic training together for six and a half weeks. Um, so, one of the people from my flights was my roommates in Goodfellow. So, her and I knew each other. We knew, like, how each other interacted. So, we kind of, like, flowed with each other well. Um, and and it was easy. Um, the best thing I would say, the best memory of Goodfellow, um, I would say, was just, like, all the people that we hung out with there because unlike you I was there for a really long time almost eight months um so we did all the things we went to Dallas we went to Abilene um we went to concerts we went to the lake like we we did San Angelo so um so I liked it here it reminded me a lot of home it's a small town feel um everyone's really friendly here they're military like they enjoy, they like military people so so I enjoyed it here. I enjoyed the people I got to meet and hang out with. Um I guess the if I had a single point at the best memory I would have is um like me and I guess a group of my friends. Um we all went to Dallas for Thanksgiving. Um and it it was in 2007, so uh, there was a big snowstorm that year and we got trapped in that. Well, I guess like on the outskirts of Dallas, cause one of our friends, um, well, Jenna, the guy she was dating at the time, um, his family lived in Dallas. He was like loaded. So they had like this huge house in Arlington and we all stayed there. He had like this enclosed hot tub. It was like, we're like, whatever, dude. He like knew all these people in Dallas. So he got us into like all these clubs and we're like, fucking 18 year old babies were like okay <laughs> like do you baby so we all went it was fun and then we tried to come back and we were snowed into dallas Oof. and so the mtls were like what the hell like you guys have to come back <laughs> you can't be there and we're like we like the highway is literally closed past abilene so we can't get past abilene like we don't know what you want us to do the roads are shut down we're stuck at the sonic in abilene <clears throat> and they were like okay so we sat there until they opened up the roads. I think we sat there for like almost four or five hours until they opened up the roads and let us come through. We were going to have to get a hotel in Abilene. Damn. It was crazy. But the weekend was good. Like, that was a good memory. 
the worst memory. Um, and I guess this doesn't really have to do with San Angelo or the base, but um, just something that happened to me was, so when I joined, I was the last group of people going through to get BDUs. Um, and so and we... That's the uniform that we had prior to actually... Two uniforms two, ago. Two iterations ago. And so when we had those uniforms, we had to wear black boots. And you either had to like super shine them with like shoe polish and cotton balls. Or you still had to polish boots. Um, which is what I had to do in basic training. Or you got these fancy boots where you like scrubbed them down with steel wool. And then you painted them. And you put them out in the hot Texas sun to let the paint like bake. And so it looked like like super shiny black yeah like a mirror pretty much well that steel wool it's it's pretty much like a brillo pad that's how i explain it it's pretty much like a brillo pad so like when you're using it to like scrub like the little pieces flake off well one of those little pieces flaked off and it got in my eye and i didn't know it was in my eye (laughs) um so i went to bed that night no big deal my boots were outside chilling they were drying for the next morning um I went to, I woke up the next morning. I couldn't open my eye. I was probably in some of the most pain I've ever been in. Um, That's where my fear of eyes started. Um, And what had happened was a piece of that steel wool had gotten behind my eyelid. And when I fell asleep, I had rapid eye movement. And it literally just shredded my cornea slowly over and over and over. You're lucky Um, you didn't go blind in that eye. I thought I was going to. I couldn't see out of that eye for like close to two weeks. So I was out of class. I had a medical wash back um, for like two and a half weeks while I, while I recovered. Um, because I couldn't open my eye. It was like swollen, closed. Yeah. And I had to put like this salve in it. It was, it was a whole mess. Um, and now to this day, like, I was 18 years old there then now I'm 31 years old um anything to do with the eyes I have no control my eyes start profusely watering um I mean like if my kids come up and they're like mom my eye like I'm like go talk to dad yeah I just I can't do time Elena her eye was matted shut because she was sick so she got that eye boogers I don't know what you call it yeah when she woke up it was just her eye was matted shut so you had to get all the crust i just started like my eyes just started watering so much that i couldn't even function as a person so i had to be like babes come here yeah yeah but i I mean like even right now my eyes are starting to water just mine are starting to feel itchy and then getting watery just listening to that story but uh so that was probably like the worst experience and then when thomas punched me but (laughs) that's a different we've already talked about that yeah. story i would like to get her on the podcast she'd be fun yeah so thomas if you listen to her name's not thomas <laughs> just throwing that out there but she knows who she is why we call her that uh yeah we're gonna get you on the podcast eventually um so after tech school so after graduating from goodfellow as young airmen we moved on to our first assignments my first assignment was in san antonio and yours was in Vegas. <clears throat> so I went to San Antonio. And I, I won't get into like the best and worst there because we, eventually we both came back to San Antonio. So we could talk about it then. But uh, 
after my first assignment in San Antonio, then I moved or got assigned in to Las Vegas. And that's where we met. Um, Why don't you talk about your best and worst at Brooks? Yeah. At Brooks? Oh, yeah, I guess I could. Brooks was awesome. Uh, so, okay, so we'll go back then. My first assignment was in San Antonio at the great Brooks City uh, or uh, the Brooks City Base. Which is not a base anymore. Yeah, they it used it to down. be Brooks Air Force Base. And then little by little, uh, it was like on the list to get shut down, turned into Brooks City Base. So everybody in San Antonio had access to it. Um, but you still had all the Air Force facilities on there. And then a few years ago, it got shut down completely. And it's now just part of San Antonio. So they have like apartment complexes there. It's and nice over there now. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. Um, I mean, until you get to the Air Force part and then it's hood as hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's right outside of a or right outside of Brook City Basis. It's not a great area. Uh, it's a military drive. But I used to love it. I fucking loved it uh, because it, Military Drive reminded me of back in El Paso of Alameda or Alameda, however you want to say it. It's uh, it just felt like home. Um, Bert, best and worst of that time. Did in, you say Bert? Yeah, I did. <laughs> best and, best and worst times or whatever there in San Antonio while I was at Brook City Base. So the best I would say is just. Uh, just hanging out with everybody because it was so fucking fun. And I don't know if it's just from being young and you, you just like make meet all these people. But like I lived in the dorms uh, in the army, they call them the barracks, but it's exactly like your college dorm. And so everybody just hung out with everybody and there was always something to do. All you had to do was just walk around and you find somebody doing something, some nonsense. So there was always something to do. And then at work, uh, you know, there was a bunch of people there. They were cool as shit. It was a big unit, so and there was a lot of younger airmen, so there was you had a bunch of friends. So that was just awesome. Uh, I ended up getting in trouble there quite a few times, one of them seriously, but I had good leadership who looked out for me, so luckily I'm still in the Air Force, and I would like to think doing cr good things. Um, Indeed. But that was probably the best part about... Uh, my days at Brooks City Base was just all the people that were there. Um, and I, I'm still connected with most of them, uh, either through Facebook or every once in a while I'll run into them. I've seen them at, at different units that I've been at. And so it's just, and w yeah, well, that's different. But, like, it's a different career field. And I won't get into that. Yeah. Um, and it was a small career field, so we everybody kind of knows everybody. Uh, as far as the worst, uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I, you act like there's so many worsts. I had my first marriage there. It was probably the worst thing that happened because <laughs> that was a shit show. Um, yeah, but got my son out of it. So that, that works. Uh, but yeah, we'll go back to San Antonio whenever we start talking about it. So I spent five years there. Uh, yeah, five years there in San Antonio, my first assignment. And then I finally left to Vegas. And that's where we met. Um, yes. We were both stationed out at, at Creech. So way far off of north of Vegas. Uh, we made that commute every single day. Being stationed in Vegas, that was that was my first time ever going to Vegas. I'd never been to Vegas in the past. And I was 
25 years old. 25? Yeah, I was 25 years old. Um, I turned 26 a couple months after getting there. So, like, I literally spent the first six months just, like, partying up and down the strip in Vegas because I'd never been there. It was the same thing with San Antonio. When I got there, uh, a lot of time was spent on the Riverwalk with, like, all the nightclubs and all the restaurants and, and this and that. So it was the same thing in Vegas. Like, oh, Vegas, the strip. Uh, we, like, we got to go to the strip. We got to go to the strip. So you went to – and there's dozens of casinos there. So And then in each casino, there's so many nightclubs and bars and all this shit. And, you know, at the beginning, it was just – fun like this is vegas i'm in vegas i'm partying but i ran through all my savings really quick <laughs> yeah so um i got to vegas my first duty station and i was 18 sucker um, yeah and so you can't do anything in vegas when you're 18 like not one thing yeah. downtown anyways um, well, nothing that Vegas is meant for. Yeah, way. nothing that yeah. Vegas is meant for. Um, but the same thing that happened at my tech school, um, there was like a gigantic push still for the UAVs, RPAs, whatever you want to call them. So we traversed from basic training to tech school and all of us went to Vegas together. So we enmassed Vegas and it was all of us from tech school to Vegas and it was just one giant party. In mass, is that a word? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, and and I will say I got the short end of the stick on that. And I think people are still doing it. I was talking to the, Nicole about this the other day. Um, in the aspect that um, I lived on Nellis Air Force Base. Yeah, which is like the northeast which, part. Yeah, of, I'm about to do a, Vegas. A, a Google on how far away um, it is. So, so from Nellis Air Force Base to, to Creech, to Creech Air Force Base, where we were stationed. Because Creech is outside of Las Vegas, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to say it's like a 45 minute drive. Out of Vegas, north? It's far. Um, yeah, so it's 53 miles. So it's from Nellis Air Force Base to Creech Air Force Base. It's 53 miles. Um, and so when I got there, I'm 18 years old. I don't have a vehicle. Um, a lot of the people that I hung out with didn't have cars. Um and we lived on Nellis because there were no dorms on Creech. There was nothing on Creech. We didn't have yeah. a dining facility. We didn't have a gym. We didn't have a... We had a gas station off base that continually got closed down. And there was a small casino out there that continuously got closed down for health code violations. And all sorts of crazy things. But anyways, um, I lived on Nellis. So, um, yeah, that was a long commute every day of over an hour so it says 53 miles right and so you're like oh you can drive that in about 
an hour, but then you put in traffic from Vegas and you're talking an hour and a half upwards of two hours on some days, depending on the time of day, uh, just to get to or from work. And that was miserable. Yeah, that's probably was the worst part about living in Vegas and then just working out there at Creech. If we worked on Nellis, it probably would have been a little bit better. Although you don't want to live anywhere near Nellis because it's a bad area. It just depends where you live. Like there... If you live in any nice area, it doesn't matter where you work, you're going to have a commute. Yeah. Yeah, so. but but I mean if you're living within Vegas and traveling to Nellis, it's it's not as bad as going all the way out to Creech. Yeah. Um that's why I kind of wish I'd got into audiobooks and podcasts earlier cuz I would have killed so many of them on that oh, commute. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, instead I was just jamming out to music. Yeah, so for sure the best part of Vegas for me was the job. Hands down. Yeah? That um, was a badass job. I would, and you know, everybody has differing opinions, differing, I said that word, differing opinions on the job. Um, I would go back to that job in a split second if um, I didn't have the schedule that we had when I worked there. Yeah. That schedule was just... It was a drain on society, man. Because <laughs> it's shift work. Um, but that sh- the shift work that we worked there, because Manning was so bad, and they were trying to stand up those ops, um, it just was not optimal. But the job itself, um, I don't know. I don't want to sound like really cocky, but I'm going to say it anyway. I was just really, really good at that job. Yeah. Um, and... I enjoyed it, and I think that's what made me, like, want to do so good at it is because it was something like, like, when I went to work, from the time I sat down at my desk until the time I walked away at the end of my shift, like, I knew what my job was. Yeah. There was never a time where I was trying to, like, dick around and look busy or um, trying to figure out ways to fill time or... Um, just busy doing nonsense that didn't have to do with anything. Like I was busy doing the mission and doing stuff that mattered. And I really enjoyed the mission. I enjoyed my job. Um, and even when I ended up doing like Stan for the wing and Stan at the squadron and, um, standing up the scheduling shop and all that, um, I still enjoy doing those things. And Stan is, uh, is standards and evaluation. Oh, it's like, um, Think when of, somebody think of OSHA and and like uh yeah it's like when somebody comes through and uh, like make sure that you're does like quality check on your work yeah yeah uh, the person who puts the sticker in your pants to make sure that they sell them right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah yeah there's not much about Vegas that I didn't like um, especially be, being young in, in Vegas like made it a lot easier like now if we went back and we had to work that kind of schedule like it just it wouldn't work for us and it'd be hard on the family and who I don't know how we would do it like I know yeah. people are out there doing it now but like that's difficult um, best and worst in Vegas uh, best is uh, I will say the best so the job being one of them um, and and I think just like the Vegas experience, because there's so many good things about Vegas that I didn't realize until I actually got there. Um, but just, uh, yeah, 
just being in Vegas was awesome. The worst about it was uh, it was the first time being so far away from like everybody. So it wasn't just a, a couple hours drive or, or whatever. Um, oh, from family? Yeah. Family? <laughs> yeah, from from El Paso. So like in San Antonio, it's like a seven-hour drive. It's not bad. Um, from Vegas, it's a 12-hour drive, if not more. But the drive is even harder because you're going through small little roads in between mountains, and it, it just gets crazy. And there's long stretches of just nothing. nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Um, so th that was tough. Um, but uh, probably that it gets so hot in, in Vegas, but that that just comes along with the territory, as, right? As your worst. Yeah. Oh, worse. The drive, the drive to Creech. The commute. Yeah, the commute that sucked. Um, but like Vegas, and this is when I thought about Vegas before I actually lived there. What I thought about Vegas was the Strip. Like maybe there might be some apartments or, or some houses around the Strip and that's it. Like that's literally all I thought Vegas was. Like the Strip and then just some I people living around the Strip. a lot of people's opinion of Vegas. And when you get to Vegas and uh, well, when I first found out I was going to be stationed in Vegas, like, huh, okay, we'll see how this works out. And then when you get to Vegas and you explore the city and, and, and you go around, it's like, it's like any other city. It's It's not huge, like geographically speaking like it's not huge but it's there's a lot of people in it and there's a lot in the city uh so many restaurants so many uh places to shop um and then right around vegas there's so many things to do so la is not that far so if you ever want that experience so what, like three and a half hours yeah it's like to three get and, there three and, and a half four hours. Get back. yeah good luck when you get in traffic there <laughs> fuck that and then you have Red Rock, which is right outside of, of Las Vegas on, like, the west side. And that's, like, a cool hiking area. And it's badass. It's a beautiful place to see. And then north, like, heading towards Crete, you have Mount, Mount Charleston, Charleston, which is a whole different freaking world from Vegas and the desert. Like, you see Vegas, and it's just – it's brown. It's desert. There's nothing out there. But then you go 45 minutes north uh, or, like, northwest, and you end up in Mount Charleston, which is up in the mountains. But it's just, like, green everywhere. The, it's it's mountains. It's snows. green. It snows up there. I mean, we went snowboarding up there, and it's 45 minutes away from Vegas. Mm -hmm. Like, who the hell would have thought, like, this secret place is sitting up here? You know, even when we didn't go snowboarding, we went up there a couple times just to go to the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, just to hang or, out. Or um, just like a, a day getaway. Yeah. Pretty much. It's not bad. Um, and then you have the Hoover Dam, which is, I mean, it's impressive. It's an impressive structure and it's cool to see, but uh, that, that was kind of boring. And the then. The bridge that I refused to drive on. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, so you have all these things going on like right near Vegas and then you have everything going into Vegas. If you get away from the strip, uh it gets a little better. Like I liked like we ended up going to we try to stay away from the strip after I know after my first 6 months there and I I kind of wore out the strip. I try to stay away from it as much as I could uh, cuz traffic around the strip sucks also and uh yeah. Yeah, you tend to spend a lot of money on the strip, but like the local bars or the the local or the restaurants outside of the strip, like those are are pretty awesome. 
And then just another thing about Vegas is that everything is open all the time. Nothing shuts down. So, like, if you want to get some beer and it's uh, 4 o'clock in the morning, um, not that I'm alcoholic or anything, but you get off of shift work and maybe you want to go grab some beer 4 in the morning, you can do that and they'll sell it to you. I missed that. I missed the convenience of everything being open. Restaurants are open at, at nothing closes. In the morning, four in the morning. Yeah, nothing closes. Everything's all, there's always something going on. And then working shift work at Creech and coming back, like that was money for us. Uh, you yeah. didn't have to wait for anything to open up. Um, so you can get off shift work uh, if it's your weekend and you want to go party right after shift work. You can do that. Yeah. You can do that because you can go to a casino. In, in the casino, it, you don't know what time of day it is. You don't. And, and they purposely do it th- uh, like that so they could keep gamblers in. But, yeah, you don't know if it's 2 in the morning or 2 in the afternoon. So you can go in there and just have a good time. Yeah, if you've, if you've ever been to a casino, you you can see the – well, you can look back and think about it. But uh, the doors are always tinted. And there's normally two sets of doors that you go through into a casino. And the second ones are tinted darker. So it seems darker in the casino. Yeah. And there's no windows to the outside whatsoever um, on the casino floor. Yeah. So you lose track of time easily um, in there. Uh, the and there's thing, no clocks. The, the thing I always found weird was everything... Um, so in other cities, everything that's usually its own separate structure um, is within casinos. So like bowling alleys, movie theaters. Um, everything. Th- yeah, just everything. Instead of going to like a specific place in the city, you just go to a casino and then you'll find that movie theater there or that bar or or that golf course. Not golf course, but like mi- mini golf or that. Yeah. It, it was crazy. Like everything is inside casinos it has everything that you need which was weird at first but then i, I kind of i grew to like it i got frustrated with it uh well just because if it was something small like oh i want to go i don't know something stupid like i want to go to victoria's secret and buy a bra well you have to go to the casino and then you have to go to the mall in the casino and then go yeah. to the store in the mall in the casino and it's like this is annoying i just want to go to a regular store yeah the downside um, to that that I didn't think about before uh, was if you want to take your kids to, like, go bowl or to one of those mini golf places or to a go-kart place, like, you're going to end up going through a casino. Or you want to take them to a movie, you're going to end up going through a casino. And, you know, you casinos not always uh, full of the best people. <laughs> yeah. So we did. We had that luxury of um when we lived in vegas you know uh michael was still with his mom and my mom lived with us because our schedules were so crazy so if we wanted to do stuff um my mom would always just keep braylon yeah um and so we would never take braylon to those places um or if we did take her to those places um we would always do it in the middle of the day where it wasn't like evening time where people 
who are on vacation are out being crazy. Yeah. Um, because you do, you have to think about what a tourist timeline looks like. So, but yeah. yeah. So, but so the Vegas worst, was quite the experience. What's the worst of Vegas? Oh, you said it was the commute for you. Yeah, so the, the commute to work. And I don't know. I don't know what the worst for Vegas for me was. Um, uh, yeah, like I was saying, there's not many bad things, uh, at least that we experienced in Vegas. There's a lot of bad parts of Vegas. Uh, so, like, if you take a step a step off the strip, it is a bad area. Bad, bad, bad area. Um, yeah. And then there's, like, right outside Nallis Air Force Base, the, the area, the neighborhood's pretty bad out there. Um, Vegas? Um the worst about Vegas. I don't know. Vegas uh is expensive. Uh it can be. I think uh, it's expensive. Yeah. I don't I don't think it was too bad. Uh, around the strip, everything. I blew through all my savings. It's not too bad. Well, cuz I was on the strip. <laughs> like Yeah, so if you go off the strip and you you're a local and you do local things, it's not bad. But yeah, it's um, not bad at all. But if you if you do the strip, like you're going downtown, I mean you're thinking you're paying twenty, thirty bucks just to park your car that you're not gonna be able to drive home. You're gonna have to Uber home and then you're mm-hmm. gonna have to Uber take a cab back to get your car the next day. Um Well we didn't have Uber back then. Yeah, so taking a cab or yeah. whatever the case it, may it be. It was a cab or okay. or you had friends come and pick you up. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, but overall, Vegas was was a great experience. Yeah. But I will say, I will, okay, so my worst, um, I will change my worst. My worst is that uh, Vegas was ruined for me, I think. Um, and I say this a lot in that I never got to experience Vegas and just experience it. Um, because we lived there, so we wore Vegas out. Um, we we lived there, so we did so much stuff in Vegas all the time that we never got to be tourists there. Yeah, but um, I, I still think we got a pretty good experience out of it. Well, yeah, I mean, we got a good experience out of it, but I don't think... So this is my my worst, not yours. Yeah. But um, I would l- have liked to experience it from like a... A vacationer standpoint for a tour from a tourist standpoint where you just wake up on the strip and yeah so like where it wasn't like i gotta go and i gotta hang out with friends and drink and go to the clubs and go to the casinos and then go home at night you know yeah and then get up in the morning and and go to work um but where i like stayed downtown for a week and i hung out and i did all the touristy things i never got that experience and we I mean, we've been back on vacation and we stayed at hotels on the strip when we lived there. And But it just, it's not the same as if you, and I said the same thing, you know, like the kids want us to be stationed in Hawaii. Um, mm. And I wouldn't mind being stationed in Hawaii, but it, I feel like the same thing would happen. I've never been to Hawaii. So I think if I go there and live there, I'll never get the experience of experiencing Hawaii. Yeah. You know? I don't want to live um, in Hawaii. So... You don't want to live any fun places. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what my worst in Vegas would be. All right, next duty station. Go. Next duty station. So where do we go from there? San Antonio. We, we went back to San Antonio so I can be an instructor. And you ended up at the unit that I started at. Yeah. But by the time you got there, it wasn't the same place. They left Brook City Base. Mm-hmm. They ended up on Lackland. And it just 
from what you tell me, it just wasn't what it was like when I was there. No, it was a whole shit show and a worthless unit. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was great. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was it was different. The the job was sucked. Uh, it was interesting at first, but then after you do it for for a month, it just becomes repetitive and boring. And so from my perspective, the Air Force said, "Hey." This job is so unimportant. We're going to get rid of the entire career field, which is what they did. They got rid of your entire career field and banded you into my career field. Yep. And then they made us do the job that they just said was so unimportant. They wanted to get rid of the whole career. It'd be like if McDonald's was like, we're not going to serve fries anymore, but we're going to keep hiring people to fried potatoes and it's like okay just call them fucking french fries because that's what they are <laughs> so just call us one and eights because that's what we are or one and sixes because that's sixes. what we are um one and six for life but yeah so um yeah yeah so san antonio uh man i love san antonio san antonio is great it's a big city it has everything you need it has uh it has a spurs so it has a professional basketball team um uh it's like a major it's a major city it's known nationally right yeah. um and then you'll always have celebrities going through there whatever um there's always something to do and san antonio is like they're one of the proudest cities i've ever been to yeah i would 100 percent like with people that. are proud to be from san antonio like i'm proud to be from el paso but when people talk about San Antonio, it's like, I, I don't even know how to explain it, but people just love San Antonio. I love San Antonio. Um, I just think now it's it's getting so overcrowded. Yeah, it is. It's just, it is vastly overpopulated. And the city's infrastructure can't grow fast enough for how fast the population's growing. San Antonio has been under construction since I first got there in 2005. And so I will say when we lived there, and so we were there from 2012, 2016. Mm -hmm. um, they have made leaps and bounds of improvements since then. Yeah. Like since 2016 to now, so you're talking in four years, um, It, I can get lost it around the corner from where we used to live um there so much has changed so i think they're moving in the right direction they're doing the right things it's just physically impossible for them to keep up with the demand um for the amount of people and part of that is because they're so nationally known and people go there and they love it and it, it is it's a city you can fall in love with and um I didn't know how I was going to feel about it. You know, um, I always say if you're born in Texas, you're brainwashed. You have to come back to Texas at some point. Fuck yeah. Um, so not being from Texas, I had no like earth shattering pool to come back to Texas. I was just like, whatever, like you want to come back to Texas. I'm down for that. Um, and you wanted to be an instructor. So I was okay with that too. Um, but, but it was just a city that I fell in love with and I love San Antonio and, um, there's so much to do. It's, it's a pretty city. Um, yeah, I just enjoyed it. And, but now there's just so many people. Yeah. Every time we go back, it's just, 
I hate dealing with traffic to begin with. And it just seems like it keeps on getting worse and worse and worse in San Antonio. And, you know, the neighborhood we lived in when we first got there in 2012, now it's it's just overcrowded. Yeah, so in 2012, we built a home there. Um, and it was a nice freaking home. It was five bedrooms, three and a half bath, uh, a little over 3,000 square feet. I mean, it was a huge, really nice home. Um and it just it looks so run down now yeah that neighborhood is getting run down and that's just because so many people are moving to san antonio because that neighborhood that we lived in there was not much out there yeah it's just Um, like the turnover is happening so quick yeah but now it's it's part of the city now like it's not you don't have to say hey i'm going out to this neighborhood or this area it's just like hey i'm this, it's here. part of the city. Yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, it's growing super fast. So the we've, one we've thing always that blew about, my mind there was how crazy traffic is. Uh, traffic is the worst in San Antonio. Just it's such a big city with so many people, uh, and the, the construction there it's fucking everywhere. Yeah, everywhere it would. It's so frustrating, and I understand. You gotta improve roads. You gotta build roads. You're like you gotta, so mad you gotta improve. About it. Yeah, you gotta improve infrastructure, <laughs> but it just seems like it's never ending. And even on on roads, it seems like it's it feels like it's the same construction all the time, yeah. and it just gets more adds to or it gets added on to like it. how many times can you fix marbach and 410 <laughs> like it's it's fucked just start over can we just break that whole thing down and start over yeah <laughs> and it's frustrating so like now we've talked about oh well maybe we can go back to san antonio and retire there because we love it so much but every time we go back we start liking it a little bit less and less because of that there's there's so many people and the area that we would have liked to retire on, retire in, is now just overcrowded. Uh, so, traffic in the mornings, traffic during rush hour, it is horrible. It's a standstill. Put your car yeah. in park. It almost rivals LA. Yeah. So like, now it's, it's like uh, maybe San Antonio is not where we want to end up. Who knows? We may still end up there, but because there's a lot of pros. Compared to the cons of San Antonio. Yeah. So best of San Antonio. What was the best for your assignment there? Uh, Best for the assignment. Like best thing that happened. I forgot what we were talking. Best thing or best. I don't know. Just part, we just best part best of San Antonio. Worst of our assignments. Um, so I loved my job there. It was difficult and it became frustrating at time. But the job was awesome. Um best part of San Antonio um fuck I don't even know what to say what's your best part because I just Um, have like a lot of great things about San Antonio yeah so I would say um so for me I felt like San Antonio and this I don't like want this to be taken the wrong way because it shouldn't be but I felt like San Antonio is where we really came into our own as a family like where we really like all so it's it's where Michael came to live with us full time it's where we had Elena it's where we had Dallas it's where we all like came together and it was just us making it on our own as a family 
Um, yeah, we bought our first house there. It's where we like, and you know, we had been married for, for a year when we got there. Um, but it's really where we, where we stood up our family and kind of like squared our shoulders to, to figure out where we were going to, to go ahead with our family. And, um, I think that was the best part for me, um, in San Antonio. And then we made great friends along the way that we're still friends with. And, um, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, I hated my job there. Hands down. That was the fucking worst. That was uh, the worst job I've had in my air force career. It's yeah, it's not a great job. Um, so when I was working it, the job sucked. The cool thing that came out of that unit, well, besides like the people, was uh, the deployments that people were going on. Yeah. Uh, they were going everywhere, getting all these different experiences, deploying with the Army and the Navy and the Marines, and just doing pretty much everything like outside of what our specific job was. Mm-hmm. That's what was fucking cool about it. But back Hard to San Antonio. Yeah, back to San Antonio, like, yeah, we met a shitload of people, the neighbors that we had, and the people that we met outside of work, and, but you're right, like, the best part, I guess, that came out of that was, um, basically where we built our family, we started there, and we got our first house there, um, I had my first garage gym there. You did, yep. That was awesome. Uh, it was good. That was that was a good assignment. Um I mean it definitely had its it definitely had its cons. Um it definitely had its its low points, but um so I would say the worst about our assignment in San Antonio um what was the worst? For me it was how much I had to work. Although I love my job, I had to work way too fucking much. So all my MTI brethren, all my brothers and sisters, um, so they know the struggle. But normal days look like getting up at 3 in the morning and going to bed at 11. Yeah. And repeating that day in and day out. And for a typical flight or a typical, like, uh, for those that don't know, like a class that you push through, uh, that you're assigned to, uh, it usually, w- when I was an instructor, it lasted eight weeks. Um, when we did the math, you didn't get a day off until day number 33. Yeah. So from day one to day 33, you worked every single day, and it was the 3 a.m. to 11 a.m. Sometimes you got lucky, you got to get got to get go home a little bit earlier and see your family and then go to bed by nine or ten if you're lucky and then by day 33 um and we say a day off but it's not really a day off it's like a half day you'll go in on a sunday check on your flight and then make sure everything's good. Make sure they get off to church. Make sure they come back. Make sure they had their breakfast. Make sure they're set up for the rest of the day and ready for Monday morning. Yeah. So you spend the entire morning there at work. Yeah, I will say like, and not trying to take anything away because you definitely put in the work. But that uh, that definitely took a toll on me as just being at home with the kids and yeah because i mean 
for me, so, yeah, my normal day looked like waking up at, like, I don't know, 4.30, getting up, getting myself ready for work, getting all the kids up, getting them ready for school, taking them to school, taking them to daycare, getting myself to work, working all day. Dealing with San Antonio traffic. Dealing with San Antonio <laughs> traffic, getting to work, working all day, getting off work, picking up kids from daycare, picking up kids from school, going home, cooking dinner, doing homework, doing baths, doing my own homework, getting kids in bed, and then as you were coming home, trying to see you for a few minutes before you were showering and going to bed. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it was, man... It was draining because um, those few minutes that you would come home at night, I would just be like, just talk to me. Like, I just want a grown up to talk to me for two minutes. <laughs> and I couldn't hold a conversation. I, I'd be like, I just don't want a kid to be asking me for chocolate milk. Like, just <laughs> tell me that you're going to sleep so I can hear grown up talk. But what helped me was building those relationships with the neighbors because um, uh, being able, and I mean, even now, I still call them my neighbors, even though we haven't lived in San Antonio for, <laughs> what, like 10 years almost. But um, I'll st- I still call them my neighbors. Um, and so um, we'll talk to them still. And we go to San Antonio, we'll see them. And so, yeah. Uh, they helped a lot during those trying times. Yeah, that so that definitely was the worst part about San Antonio, that second go-around. Well, second go-around for me. But that was the worst part, just having to work so freaking much and that's where pretty much where i learned like work should not always come first some people a lot of people will disagree with this but yeah no matter what happens like unless you own a company or a business that place that thing is going to continue to run whether whether you are there or you're not yeah like you can think that people are going to are going to miss you and everything's going to fall apart because you're not there. It's not. There will be some hiccups. People will step in and business will go on as usual. Right? You spending that extra 2 or 3 hours at work to perfect something or to make sure something gets done is just time taken away from everybody else, the people that you care about and the people that actually care about you. Um, so hard lesson learned and although sometimes we'll still do it <laughs> yeah um, but it's a lot less and very rare now but uh, yeah that place wherever you work at again unless you own the company and, or, or whatever it's going to continue to run whether you are there or not Work will be there tomorrow. Yep. Work will always be there tomorrow. Because you see it every day. You see it every single day when somebody leaves your section or retires or PCSs, goes to their next assignment. Um, like if you were close to them and they were your friend, it, it sucks and you'll miss them. But for everybody else, they barely even know that they're gone yeah. or that they left. I always tell people, and this sounds like really horrible, but have you ever seen the thing that's like the time that you spend at work away from your family, um, if you were to die tomorrow, your job listing will be written before your obituary is? Yep. 
And, and that's true. it's so true. Like, it sounds horrible, but, like, you're always going to be replaceable unless you are the person that's running your company. Yeah. And and people so. become so self-absorbed. Like, no, no, they need me. I need to be there. Like, I need to do this. It's like, no, you don't. I used like, to you're be one of those you're people. You're convincing yourself that you're that important that this place is going to crumble if you're not there uh, or if you don't make sure that this gets done. But it's not. Like, you're important to your family. Like, they'll notice you're not important to to your job. Like, granted, people care for you and they try to take care care of you. But if you're not there, the place is going to continue. Yep. Uh, it's just, it's a vicious cycle that people get on. And yeah. I've been there to where I'm like, man, I need to be there. Like, like this one thing, I'm the one who has to do it. And it's yeah. like but you're not like somebody else. Yeah. They might not do it the way that I want it done or yeah. they might not follow the process, but the end, the end result is going to be the same. It's yeah. going to get done. And that's not to say like if let's go with the easy thing, there's a huge presentation that needs to happen the next day. So you're staying late to make sure that it gets done or, or whatever. Uh, yeah. There's a difference in every once in a while in the normal. Yeah. Um, but if you, let somebody else handle it. Say, you know what? Hey, it's my kid's birthday. I'm going to go home and I'm going to go spend this time with him. I know this is not done or it's half-assed or whatever, but you know what? Fuck it. Um, the person that you hand it off to or whoever takes over that may not do it to the level that you can do it, but it's going to get done. Yeah. <laughs> like, And that was the thing. So I noticed after the fact when I was an instructor and I was pushing flights through and I was graduating flights, um, you take ownership of your flight and, uh, like it, it becomes a, a, a point of pride. So whenever you get pulled off a flight or you're not there with them the entire time, you're like, it has to be me. I have to teach them this. I have to show them this or else nobody else would do it for, uh, the way it needs to be done. Or other instructors will step in and you'll be like, oh, they're just going to fuck it up or they're not going to do it right. And the thing is, it's going to get done. Those those trainees, they're going to get trained. They're going to graduate. They're going to move on. They're going to go to their jobs. They're going to do this, this, and that. Yeah. Like, so out of the, going off on a tangent with all that, but it's true, man. Just uh, take care of the people. Not take care. That's the, the wrong way of saying it, but know who the important people are in your life yeah yeah like for the military i love the military it's done so much for me and i'm i'd like to think that i've done a lot for it um but at 20 years when i'm eligible to retire and and i can retire like our family is the one that's still going to be there not not the people that i work with not anybody else yep so that's just something to keep in mind. She got real quick. And then from there, we went to. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we can move on forward. From there, we went to, to Herbert Field. Now, Herbert Field is in uh, Navarre, Florida, no, slash it's in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Yeah. Florida. Um, so kind of in the Pensacola, Florida area. That's like the biggest city that's close to It's between to it. Pensacola and Destin. Yeah. Um, and that 
it's a great place. I'll be honest. It is a great place. If you're a beach person, it's perfect. Um, but I'm not a beach person. And so being stationed there was, eh, it was all right. But I missed Texas. I missed, uh, uh, yeah, being back in Texas. And the beach is nice, but I'm not a fan of the ocean. I'm not even a fan of the beach. It's cool to, to like, if you go on vacation, go and spend some time on the beach, that's great. Um, but to have it in your backyard, for me, that's not something that, it's not something I need. Um, what I do miss about Florida is uh, the green and the rain. Uh, I really got attached to, like, how green it is. So all the trees and the grass that can grow anywhere um that's on the ground uh, as opposed to like where i grew up in el paso you have to fucking pour gallons and gallons and gallons on just a small piece of uh of grass for it to grow and stay green um and then here in san angelo it's kind of it's back and forth right Mm -hmm. it it takes a lot to get some good grass um but hober field uh it was great and what I didn't expect about Navarre was the fucking black bears that are around there. Yeah. If y'all don't know, Florida, right along the coastline, uh, on in the Panhandle, has black bears. All right, I there's think most people from over there in the area know that. Yeah, well, they do, <laughs> but the people outside that don't that don't know anything about that area, like, I didn't know there was fucking bears down there. Like, I didn't know there was. Uh, bears near the beach but there are <laughs> we found out when we went to go close on our house when we got there driving down the road there's a fucking bear walking down the Just side strolling down the street yeah and i was no like what deal. the fuck is that and then we got close to it saw that it was a bear <laughs> And I'm telling the realtor i was like hey we just saw a fucking bear down the road he's like oh yeah they're all over the place here that would have been nice to know. So there's black bears out there. Uh, just fair warning. Fun fact. Yeah. Um, I didn't like my job out there. Uh, although it did give me a lot of time back, so I'll give it that. And then I did get to go on some cool uh, TDYs or uh, business trips, if you will, mm-hmm. out there. So I, that was awesome. Uh, the place itself, Thai food. If you like Thai food, Navarre, Florida has some great fucking Thai food, and they are all over the place over there. You can't go a mile without seeing four of them. <laughs> uh, so I miss that. I'm not a big seafood guy, so I don't. I don't seafood to me is I seafood. I miss the sushi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You eat gas station sushi, so. I, I don't eat ga- I don't eat gas station sushi. I <laughs> eat commissary sushi, which so far has been legit. Yeah. Um, the weather. So what's your best? Your best of Florida. Best of Florida was. Um. Let's see. So job wise, was getting to go. Uh. Getting to go see Germany. Um while I was out there that was the best part um Florida itself Navarre Florida itself uh so a lot of the friends that we made that's always a plus like a we we made a lot of good friends down there 
Um, probably the weather. I, I like the weather down there. It got really fucking humid. Um, you didn't like them hurricanes. Oh, no, no, no. Nobody likes hurricanes. <laughs> uh, luck, we got portions of a hurricane. Yeah. I like the one that just hit. A couple of times. Yeah, now recently it, it got hit a little bit harder. But um, while we were there, we only got portions of a hurricane. So it was just strong winds and, and rain. But we weren't even there to... Yeah, so we, left we were very cautious. We boarded up twice on two different occasions and yeah. took off because we just weren't taking the chance with our kids. Not and, risking it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I do. I miss the weather out there. I I miss the rain. I love that uh, when it rain. It didn't rain so much where you got depressed, like I guess it does up in the northwest. But it rained enough where it it was welcomed every every time. It was just like an evening shower every day. Yeah, it was great. It sounds nice. It it, it smells nice. Um, yeah. I remember how when we first went to El Paso and you were like, "Oh, I like the smell of rain," and I was like, "It smells weird." And then you didn't realize what I was talking about until we went to Florida, and then oh yeah, the rain yeah, just yeah. smells so different. Yeah, it smells different, but I like both of them. Like I I love when it rains in El Paso. It's just nostalgic. And, yeah, for you in El Paso, I think. Yeah, the smell of of, of rain and dirt. It, yeah, I I love that smell. I think it smells weird. I like yeah. the one like the Florida rain smell. Well, yeah. just like I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, I just I wish it rained that much here or anywhere. Like that that's one of the things that I miss. Um, I ran my marathon while I was uh, there, so that was awesome. Like I got to all the training that I did in Navarre. Uh, the weather was fucking perfect for that yeah yeah because i trained from november to march um and i was running outside it never really got super cold where i couldn't run outside so what about you um the best for the job was probably my deployment that i got out of there uh, I just got to do some really cool stuff out there on the deployment. And I think, so I, when I deployed, I had been in the Air Force for 11 years. Um, and I don't think I ever fully got what combat was until I deployed. And I won't even say what combat was because I never saw combat. I don't want people to think that I did. I never saw combat. But I didn't understand. Like, I thought I did. I thought I understood what it meant to be deployed, you know. But I never understood, like, why we were doing the things we were doing and the missions that we had until until I went there and I sat in the seat. And then I was the one making the decisions and, and briefing the briefing the information and and so yeah I I think that would probably be the best was just the platforms I got to work with were cool the CV-22 is awesome Um, that's a cool looking bird yeah aircraft yeah I'm not really sure if I always call it an airplane I'm not sure if you're supposed to refer to it as a helicopter (laughs) whatever it was weird Um, but yeah I enjoyed uh, working with that airplane Health slash helicopter. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, uh, as far as the area, I am a beach person. Um, I miss just just going and sitting on the beach. 
and like not getting in the water or whatever but just like sitting on the beach and just like listening to the ocean and yeah and watching the waves yeah that it's just so relaxing and peaceful and like the drive to work in the morning the commute sucked traffic sucked but um like just as you drive having the ocean off to the side and just seeing like the sunrise over the ocean i always thought that was awesome like that it was it, it, it was, was such an awesome way to drive into work and start the day it was great scenery for sure yeah and then the way the sun uh like reflects off the water yeah was fucking badass um so the other thing I I liked about that area specifically was all the aircraft flying around. Yeah. You could always hear them um and they, you saw them because they flew really freaking low. Uh and the the range where where they where they drop their bombs or fire their what are they? Guns. Yeah, their guns, their cannons, however you want to call them. You hear that shit because that range is really close by. So the first night that we were there, we spent the night there uh, in our house. We had no furniture or nothing. We were all in one room just watching a movie. I was freaking uh, out. Yeah. I thought somebody was banging on our garage just like boom, boom, boom. So I'm like running outside with a flashlight and a knife. I didn't have my gun. So I just had a fucking knife and a flashlight. And I'm looking around. And when you step outside, you can hear the, like, that boom. Is coming from the distance, and it's these aircraft firing the weapons and just hitting the ground, and that became that would happen multiple daily. times a week. Yeah, it um, was. It happened daily, except on the weekends because it was training. Yeah, and at first that shit was annoying and uncomfortable, and after a while it became a comforting sound. Yeah. Uh, so that that was pretty awesome, uh, and and again it reinforced like man, I'm in the military and like, this is the shit that I'm associated with. Uh, So that was pretty badass. Uh, For my fucking worst, my hate for Navarre, Florida is that fucking Highway 98. Yeah, me too. Hands down. Yeah, so if if you're not familiar with that area, well, if you've ever been to Destin, which if you're listening on my side of the podcast um, and... You're from anywhere in Tennessee. The only place you ever vacation is Panama City or Destin. So you've been there. The one road that you always take, it's Highway 98. Um, So that road goes all the way across until you hit Alabama. And so when we would drive, it's a four-lane highway, and it's literally the only road you can take to get anywhere. There's no other road. There's no way around it. The neighborhoods don't connect, so you can't take back roads. You have to be on that road. And so... um, the scenery around that road is beautiful, but one car wreck can have you sitting there for hours and the scenery yes. gets real old real quick when you're sitting there for five hours. Because it's <laughs> two lanes on each side. All right. So With it's not like a, in the middle. it's not a legit freeway or anything like that. It's just a regular road. Yeah, there's a median in the middle. Um, but everybody that lives in Pensacola, Navarre, Gulf Breeze, Gulf Breeze, Fort Walton Beach, Santa Rosa, Santa Rosa. They all take that road. So that's a lot of people. And then during rush hour, it's a lot of people on one tiny ass road going east to west or west to east. And then you have the entire base trying to get everybody off base at the end of the duty day. And the entrance to our base is right off of Highway 98. So it backs it up even more. Mm -hmm. And... So if you have an accident that happens on the eastbound lane or the westbound lane, 
it shuts down both lanes. Oh, yeah. Most of the time, both lanes shut down. Uh, not like the east and westbound lane, but like the two lanes on either side, yeah. wherever the, the wreck is at, it shuts down both of them. And if it doesn't shut down both of them, it takes for a while for for emergency crews and, and the cops and everybody to open up a lane or something to start funneling cars through. And it just takes forever. Uh, yeah. So, like, if you're on your way into work and there's an accident, we would have to call and be like, hey, there's an accident. So we'll be in work in a couple of hours if we're lucky. Yeah, so most of the time it would be, like, a common thing. So if if – the traffic was backed up. Everybody in the office, if you did not live on base, was going to be late. Yeah. So we would just call and say, like, hey, we're going to turn around at the next red light and go home. And then we'll try again in an hour or two. Like, we'll just watch the yeah. news and see what's happening or whatever. Because it just wasn't worth it to sit there in, in traffic. Um, especially with the kids because the kids had to go to daycare on base. And so you have two screaming kids in the car mm-hmm. for that long. And it's not Ooh. worth it. So on On top of that... All the schools are right off of 98. So you have school zone after school zone? Yeah, school zone after school zone after school zone. And a lot of the buses had stops on that fucking road. Yeah. So you know how bus stops, they they put open the the stop sign. So that's just like another stop that just slows down the commute. So it was just a pain in the ass. Um, you, You deal with it like anything else. But... Man, something needs to be done about that fucking road. There's nothing, and that's the thing, there's nothing to be done because the road cannot be widened. So if you widen it to the, okay, so if you're coming from Pensacola toward Destin, if you try to widen it to the right, the ocean is there. So you have no love there. And if you try to widen it to the left, it's all businesses there. Yeah. And the businesses can't back up anymore because it backs up into neighborhoods. And if the neighborhoods back up, then they back up into the bay. So there's no way for it to go. Um, They talked about uh, like an overpass, like a bridge above the road that just went all the way and had exits. But they said it would kill businesses around there or something like that. It would. Uh, because people stop out of convenience. Yeah. Like they stop at a red light and they're like, oh, look, Albertson's. <laughs> yeah. Fuck but, that. But that was definitely the worst about that specific area where we lived in yeah. uh, Navarre, Florida. Uh, man, it was horrible. But uh, for the most part, everything else was great. I would just, I'm not a beach person, so I was ready to come back to Texas. And, uh, and here we are. Yeah. So that leads us to our our present day, and now yeah we're we're back at Goodfellow in San Angelo, Texas. Beautiful San Angelo, Texas. This place. Uh, so now living here, and not only spending six weeks, we've gone out, we've explored, uh, we see what the town has to offer. We've been around uh, outside of San Angelo. It's like centrally located. Um, you have San Antonio close by, Austin close by, Dallas. El Paso is not that far either. Um, but even within San Angelo, there's plenty to do. Um, it's, I think it gets a bad rap because a lot of people that come here are younger. Mm-hmm. Like when we first came through and it's not a huge nightlife and it's not a huge pop- population. So, you know, when you're young, the more the merrier, right? You just, you just want to go out and have fun. 
well, San Angelo's not that big. It's but a family-oriented city. Yeah. It's not for, like, a a 21-year-old who wants to party. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I say that in the same breath. I'll say there's a college here. So it's a college town, and it has its little college bars and its little college dives. and. Yeah, and I went to a college town that had like 2,000 people, and yeah, it's all you do is just bad stuff. Yep. <laughs> so at least this place has a little more to offer to all the co- college students that come here from out of town. Yeah. So I'll say for me, this go round, and granted, like we still have some time left here, but for me, the best thing um, is just the community of San Angelo. Yeah. Um, I feel like, and I said this before, but I feel like everyone here um, is just so welcoming and nice and um I mean, so we lived on base for a year, and then we bought our home. And so we've lived here since the beginning of May, the end of April time frame. Um, and I feel like we've met some some really good friends who I feel like we've known for way longer than four or five months. Yeah, our, <laughs> our neighbors are, are cool as shit. Yeah. They've even been on a podcast, some of them. More to come. More to come. Um yeah, so they're cool as shit. Uh, we work with a lot of cool people. Um, that's not to say everybody. Yeah, because I would I would say that is my one drawback of being here. And um, so another one of the good things about here is I love teaching. I think it's it's almost immediate um, job satisfaction. Like. Like, you see the light bulbs go off. You see the students get the information that you're trying to teach them. Um, they start putting pieces of the puzzle together. Um, and I just enjoy it. I enjoy standing up in front of there and, like, giving them this information, teaching them ways to learn. And um, But it's the people, the cadre that I work with that, that are turning me off from this assignment. And... Um, where when I first got here, I started at how can we cheat the system to stay here as long as possible. Now I'm how can we cheat the system to get out of here as soon as possible. And um, and it has nothing to do with the assignment or the location or the friends that we've made. But it's just, just some of the people we work with. And um, yeah. Yep. And uh <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, and you get that at, yeah, you get that at, at most places. Um, but like when I was an instructor in BMT, uh, met a lot of great people, a lot of good friends, still friends with them today, where we connect over Facebook is how we keep in touch. Um, but some of those people just made uh, life and work harder than it had to be. Yeah. Unnecessarily difficult. Um, so my catchphrase, um, someone once told me, and I can't remember who it was, but uh, that you'll, you will either love the location and hate your job or hate the location and love your job. And so when we got here and I loved the location and I loved my job, 
I thought I found a hidden gym. Mm-hmm. And then I started meeting people that I worked with. <laughs> and I was like, you're making me hate this job. Something that I thoroughly enjoy. Um, and it's like, you could have everything that you want handed to you. And just the people around you can ruin it for you. And that sucks. Yeah, it does suck. Um, nature of the beast, I guess. I, I don't know. That's what they say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, San Angelo is great. Uh, I would definitely recommend uh, for people to live here. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah, so in following on with that, out of um, looking at places we could go next, we have recently been discussing some places that we may want to go next. So we're going to throw out some ideas. And if you guys have any tips, hits, tricks, you've been there, you have stories, spears, don't go there, do go there, and you want to hit us up on all of the avenues, let us know. But so the places we've been talking about, we'll do top three. Colorado. So Colorado was one. Um so what that looks like is um, Peterson Air Force Base, which is in Colorado Springs. Yeah, it's Colorado Springs, and Denver area. Denver area. And I think that's it because yeah. you have to be like handpicked to go to the other places. And then I really want to go to Charleston, but that's another beach town uh, on the East Coast. So... Um, yeah, Charleston, if you have any stories about that one. And then number three, another place that I want to go that he is not on board with. Um, it's just the D.C. area. I really want to go to the Pentagon. Uh, um, I think it would be cool to live in the D.C. area. And I know people that live there or ha- that have lived there or live there now. And uh, I don't want to deal with the traffic. Yeah, I just... You know, I've talked to people who worked at the Pentagon, and so, I mean, I've said since I can remember, I want the culmination of my career to be at the Pentagon. I have always said that. Um, I, I mean, I just don't remember a time where I, I, can, I can remember not wanting to work at the Pentagon, um, and, and I want to go um, – And I talk to people and they try to talk me out of it immediately. Oh, you don't want to go there. Like it's a grind. You have long hours. Like people are just, it's a hassle. And I'm like, look, like, like I get it. I, I understand what that job entails. Like, I don't think I'm going to go work at the Pentagon and I'm going to fucking get people coffee. Like I get that job is a grind. Um, But I, I want to do it. And so what that would entail is us living in the DC area. Um, and there are so many bases there. So I just don't know. Um, and I don't know how that would look or if I could get picked up for that. or um, I just, I don't know. But that is something I, I am interested in. Um, and maybe I just need to make some more rank before I, before I get there. But Next stop, D.C. I, I would not mind it. I wouldn't mind living. Um, I think... I think the big the big scare for me there is the price tag that's associated with DC. Yeah. It's expensive there. Yeah, it is. 
because as Marla put today on her Facebook, did you see that post she put? She's like, does anybody else just oh, yeah. randomly look at houses in other cities or is it just me? And I did that all the time. I'll think like, oh, what if we got stationed in, I don't know, Malmstrom. And then I'll be looking at houses in Montana for no damn reason. Um, but I was looking at houses in D.C. and it's like a normal four bedroom, two bathroom house that's like not even nice. It's like $600,000. And I'm like, Sounds uh, about right. Uh, um. Uh, <laughs> you ever saw my paycheck mr sir <laughs> yeah so um yeah i'm i'm interested to see how it works i definitely um am looking at where we would go next but those are the top three on our list right now and boom and we have kind of thrown around what it would look like if we got picked up to go overseas the kids are hell bent on going to hawaii like they want to go i am hell bent on going to alaska i want to go you do not want to go to Alaska. I want to stay within the lower 48. <laughs> that is my limit. Yeah. Um, so if we do go overseas, I wouldn't mind going to Alaska. I don't want to go to Hawaii unless I visited there first. Um, and then I don't think I would mind England. The kids would talk in their little accents and be cute. <laughs> I have an MTI friend. She had kids. They have British accents. It's and the weirdest shit. That would be so cute. Yeah. like you The kids never have British expected. accents. And they've never been there. They fake British accents. <laughs> They're pretty good, though. Yeah. Elena's is pretty good. Yeah. They do it. They do it well. They watch all they, those they, shows. They fit in. Yeah. Look at this little Mexican girl with a British accent. <laughs> That'd be some shit, huh? But, yeah. But that's uh, that's a couple of years down the road. So, it'll be here faster than we than we know it. So, yeah, it just depends how timelines line up. But, so, each each duty station's had its, its ups and its downs for sure. Yeah, yeah, it has had uh, its pros and cons. Uh, but overall, it's been, it's been a good ride. Uh, all of our duty stations have been, for the most part, good. Uh, not one of them have I been like fuck I wish I had never gone there um, and hopefully we don't get an assignment that's like that yeah I can't I can't think of one I mean there have been some jobs where I'm like I could have went my whole career without doing that job <laughs> yeah but um, yeah, you, you gotta find the silver lining bitch. but it definitely doesn't feel like it definitely doesn't feel like it's been 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. Going on 16. Woo-hoo. Does it feel like it's been 16 years? No. No, it doesn't. You could almost drive a car again. Right? <laughs> I've been in the Air Force longer than I went to school. Yeah. Crazy. But I think we're about done there. The Mac's about to die. Uh, We're... A little over an hour, 45 minutes. So I think we could cut it there. Okay. That was a good one. Uh, yeah, for everybody that's listening, thank you for, for listening to the Tell Me Something podcast. Y'all are awesome. Uh, give us a, a five-star review or whatever you review, whatever review you feel like giving us. Uh, hook us up. Five stars. Um, five stars. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Tell Me Something podcast. That's where we are on everything. Uh, That's all I have. 
babes. That's it. Peace out, Cub Scouts. Peace out, Cub Scout. All right. We'll see you all next time. Later. <laughs>